Chapter 11 The Capture of Changsi. When the young lady had taken her departure, the Lady Chung said to her daughter and to Cloudlet, The relation of our two families, Choi and Chung, has always been very close and intimate. Hundreds of times and more they have intermarried. And in these two families, from my earliest years, I have seen many persons of great gifts and beauty, but none just like ye see. She is indeed your peer. If you two, gifted as you are, could become sworn sisters, it would indeed be well. Cheng Si mentioned what Cloudlet had said regarding Chen Si, and added, Cloudlet has her doubts about the Lady Yi, but her opinion differs from mine. Besides ability and beauty of face, Yi Si has a distinguished manner and a dignity of behavior that differs entirely from the ordinary young women of the city. Although Chin Si be as gifted as she is said to be, how could she ever hope to compare with one so striking? If I were to speak as I have heard rumors say, she has a face and a heart that answers to the Princess Orchid. Her great ability agrees thereto likewise, and her loving tender spirit. I have heard it said, too, that Yi Si's face is not unlike that of the Princess Imperial. To this the Lady Chung made answer, I have never seen the princess, and so cannot definitely say. But even though she occupies her high place and wears her imperial name, how could she possibly equal Yi Si? The daughter's reply was, I am in doubt and must send Cloudlet to take note of her surroundings and behavior. On the second day, Miss Chung and Cloudlet were talking the matter over when Yi Si's servant arrived to say, Our lady finds a messenger going to Choldong, where her brother is, and intends to depart tomorrow. She would like to come today and make her farewell salutation to the lady and her daughter. On hearing this, Chung Si ordered the hall to be specially brightened up and waited breathlessly. Shortly after Yi Si arrived, bowed to the lady and to Chung Si, and spoke her message of departure. The sincerity with which the two took their farewell was specially touching. They were like two dear sisters, separating one from the other, or a lover bidding a long goodbye to his sweetheart. Yi Si said to the Lady Chung, Your niece's separation from her mother and brother now measures a whole year, and I long so much to see them that I cannot wait. My heart, however, is bound to your ladyship, and to my dearest friend with an unbreakable tie. As I attempt to pull myself away, I find that it grows stronger and stronger. I have one word to say and one wish to express. I fear, nevertheless, that Chung Si may not grant my wish, so I mention it to your ladyship. She hesitated, however, so that the words failed to express themselves. The lady said, What is it that you would like to ask? Yi Si made answer, I have just finished an embroidered picture of the merciful Buddha that I have worked in memory of my late father. My brother is now in the county of Choldong. I am a woman and cannot ask a favor of the literati, so I have not found anyone to write an inscription on it for me. I am most desirous that my sister Chung Si should write two or three lines of verse. Because the picture is wide in size and difficult to fold or carry, 
and in danger of being damaged by a journey, I would rather not bring it. The only alternative is that I take her to my home with me and get her to write or compose something there so that my poor effort on behalf of my late father may be made perfect and my soul find delight. I do not know, however, what Chengzi may think of it, so I did not dare to ask her directly. Therefore, I make my wishes known first to your ladyship. The lady looked at her daughter and said, You are not accustomed to go to the homes even of your near relatives. But you have this invitation now, which we cannot but regard. It comes from Yisi's earnest heart of devotion to her father. Besides, her place of residence is not far away. I think it would be quite right and proper for you to go and return quickly. Chengxi's face clouded at first with hesitation. But when she thought of it, she quieted her apprehensions and said, Yisi's circumstances are such that her time is very limited, so it would not do to send Cloudlet instead. I shall avail myself of the opportunity to see what her world is like, and thus solve the question that is in my mind. This she said to herself, but to her mother she replied, If Yisi's invitation were an ordinary one, I could not accede to it. But her devotion to her father is something that all must commend. How can I refuse? I shall wait, however, till evening, and when night falls, I shall go. Yisi was greatly delighted and thanked her over and over again, saying, But if it is too dark, it will be very difficult for you to write. If you dislike the confusion of the way, my chair, though narrow and uncomfortable, can easily enough accommodate two persons like us. Come with me, will you not, please? And when evening falls, you can then return home. Chengzi made answer, I am unable to resist your kind words. With this, she bowed to her mother and said her adieu. She gave to Cloudlet a little press of the hand by way of special recognition, and then she and Yi Si rode side by side in the same palanquin, with a number of serving women from Justice Chung's following behind. They arrived at Yi Si's private room where the things displayed were not many in number, but were of a very excellent quality. The fare also, while not lavish in quantity, was of the daintiest kind. Chung Si thought, I am in greater perplexity than ever. The day passed, and the evening gradually grew near. But Yi Si said nothing whatever about the writing. Where have you placed the picture of the merciful Buddha? inquired Chung Si. I would like so much to make my bow before it. Yi Si said, Assuredly, I must ask you to come with me to see it. Before she had finished speaking, a sound of horses and chariots was heard from before the door, and a long succession of flags suddenly lined the streetway. The servants from Justice Chung's came rushing in in great fear to say that a company of soldiers had surrounded the house. Mistress, mistress, said they, what shall we do? Chung Si, already guessing the nature of the commotion, sat still and unmoved. Yi Si said to her by way of assurance, Please do not be alarmed in the least. Your little sister is no other than Princess Nan Yang, So Wa. Nan Yang my title, and So Wa my given name. My bringing you here was at the command of the Empress Dowager. 
Cheng Si instantly arose from her seat and made reply. Though wholly unenlightened myself and unsophisticated, I knew by your highness's face and form that you were different from the rest of the world. But your visiting me was so far beyond the most extravagant dreams of my fancy that I have been entirely taken off guard. I have failed in the proper forms and have in a hundred other uncomely ways sinned before you. Please have me punished as I deserve. The princess did not have time to reply before a servant came in and said, the palace maids, Sol, Wang, and Wa, have been sent to inquire for your highness. The princess then said to Cheng Si, Wait here for a moment, will you please? She went out to the main hallway, where the three women had entered in order, and gave the ceremonial bow before her, saying, It is now several days since your highness left the palace. The empress dowager greatly desires to see you. The emperor, too, and the empress have sent maids-in-waiting to make inquiry. Today is the appointed time of your return, so horses, carriages, and other necessaries wait outside the door. His Majesty has ordered the eunuch Cho to attend to you. The three maids added, The Empress Dowager has commanded that Cheng Zi ride with you in the royal palanquin and come to the palace. The princess told the maids to wait while she went in once more, and said to Cheng Zi, I have many things to say to you as soon as we find quiet, but now the Empress Dowager, my mother, wants to see you and has come out to the Ma Pavilion where she is waiting. Please come with me at once and be presented to her. Cheng Si, knowing that she must not refuse, said in reply, Your humble servant knows already how tenderly your highness loves her, but an uncouth country girl who never in her life before was presented at court, fears that she may fail to do the proper thing and is very much alarmed. The princess replied, The thought that prompts the dowager to see you is the same thought that makes me love you. Please do not be anxious in the least, but just come. Cheng Zi said, Will your highness not proceed to the palace first? If you do so, I shall return home to tell my mother and then follow. But the princess objected. The empress has already given commands, she said, that I ride with you in the same palanquin. Her commands are very pressing. I urge you not to hesitate. Cheng Si then said, I am only a humble child of a subject. How could I think of riding in the same chair with your highness? Kan Tai Kong, said the princess Nanyang, was only a fisher by the Wee River and yet he rode in the same chariot with King Moon. Hu Yong was only a gatekeeper, and yet he held Prince Silong's horse. It is our duty to do honor to those who are great and good. Why do you call attention to rank and station? You yourself are of an old family of the nobility. Why should you hesitate to ride in the same chair with your little sister? So she took her by the hand, and they mounted the palanquin together. Cheng Si sent one servant home to tell her mother, while another attended her to the palace. Thus they went together, the princess and her charge, entering by the east gate. They passed the nine pagoda arches to the private entrance, where they dismounted. The princess said to Lady Wang, who was in waiting, You remain here for a little with my Lady Cheng. Lady Wang replied, I have, in accordance with the commands of Her Majesty the Dowager, 
prepared a special place for the Lady Chung to stay. The princess, greatly pleased at this, bade them wait while she went in and presented herself before the Empress Dowager. At first, the Dowager had had no desire to meet Chung Si, but since the princess had lived in disguise near her and had won her friendship by means of the pair of pictures and had discovered that her character and attainments were lovely, her feelings of interest were kindled likewise. From what had been reported, she learned to appreciate why Yang had not wished to give her up, why her daughter, the princess, and Chung Si loved each other, why they had made a contract of sisterhood, and why in one home they would serve the same husband. The Empress Dowager had therefore learnt to understand and had given consent at last to the princess and Chung Si, both becoming wives of General Yang. She now desired greatly to see her face and had devised the plan by which she had been brought. Chung Si waited for a little in the appointed place. Presently, two maids came out from the inner palace bearing a box with clothing. They also delivered the commands of the Empress Dowager, which read, Miss Chung is a daughter of a minister, and should therefore conform to the required ceremonies of the nobility. She is now wearing the dress of an unmarried girl, in which no one can come into my presence. I am sending herewith a ceremonial robe of a lady of high rank. We maids-in-waiting have taken Her Majesty's commands, said the attendants. Please, Your Ladyship, dress and enter. Chung-si bowed and said, How can anyone so unpracticed as I dress in a lady's ceremonial robe? Though my garb is poor, still it is the dress in which I appear before my parents. Her imperial highness is the mother of us all. Please, let me appear in the dress that I wear before my parents, while I go into audience before her. The maid so reported, and Her Majesty was greatly delighted with the answer, and called her at once. She followed, step by step, and arrived at the dais. On each side, the ladies-in-waiting vied in their efforts to see, and said in wondering admiration, We had thought that all beauty and loveliness belonged exclusively to our princess. Who would have believed that this little Lady Chung could be so startlingly beautiful? She made her deepest obeisance, and then was led by the maids up to the dais. There, the empress made her sit down, and gently said to her, The issuing of an imperial command ordering the return of your marriage gifts to General Yang was an act of the government, and not of myself personally. My daughter objected to it at that time, and said, For any man to break a marriage contract pertains not to the straight and narrow way on which kings should walk. She desired instead, and proposed in fact, that she should serve General Yang along with you. I counseled with his majesty, and we have decided to follow the unselfish wish of our daughter. We now await the return of Yang in order to have him once more send his gifts and make you his first and chief wife. Such kind favor was not known before, nor was it ever heard or dreamed of, I am sure. This is what I especially desired to tell you. Cheng Si arose and made reply. Your Majesty's kindness is exceedingly great, and of such a character as no courtier could ever dream. I, in my lowly station, can make no return for your illimitable favor. I, your humble subject, 
am only the daughter of a minister, and ought never to stand on the same footing as Her Highness, the Crown Princess, nor accept a place equal to her in station. Even though I might desire to yield obedience to your commands, it would be impossible for my parents to consent. They would rather die than allow me to do so presumptuous a thing. The dowager replied, Your humility is most becoming, yet members of your family for generations have been marquesses and earls. Your father was a valued minister of my late husband and received special honor in the court. Difference in rank is not a thing to be troubled about. But Chung Si said, A courtier's ready obedience to his king's commands is as natural as the course of nature in the changing seasons. Though you elevate me to the rank of nobility or degrade me to the place of servant, how dare I offer opposition? And yet, how could Yang So Yu accept it with complacency? Your humble subject has no brothers or sisters, and my parents are already old. My one supreme wish is to serve them with a faithful heart during the remaining years of their life. The dowager went on to say, Your devotion to your parents greatly pleases me. But why should you stay in a place of obscurity, where you will never be able to attain a single wish of the heart? You are born with all possible graces and gifts. How could Yang So Yu think of casting you off? Also, my daughter here has given proof of a destined affinity with him by a tune played upon the flute. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Yang So Yu is a great general of the highest order. He has such genius as has not been seen since the days of the ancients. What offense against society would it be his taking two wives? I had originally two daughters, but Nanyang's sister died at ten years of age, and I have always much regretted Nanyang's loneliness. Now that I see you, with your pure heart and beauty, not inferior in the least to hers, it seems as though I had got back my dead child. I shall make you my adopted daughter, and shall get the emperor to assign you title and rank. In the first place, you shall be the sign of my love for my dear departed child. In the second place, you shall be my gift to Nanyang. And in the third place, I shall have you, along with her, come under the protection of Yang So Yu, and so settle all these perplexing questions. What do you say to this? The young lady bowed low and said, since your majesty has so decided, this humble girl will, I fear, die under the weight of too great favor. My one desire is that your majesty will withdraw the command and let this obscure child fly away in peace. The empress said, I have made known my wishes to his majesty the emperor, and he will definitely decide it. You must not be headstrong in the matter. She called the princess and made her come forward near to Chung Si. The princess, in ceremonial robes, shining in glory, sat by her side. The dowager laughed and said, you have wished to have Chung Si for your sister, and now it has come to pass. No one could tell who is the elder, you or she. Have you no regrets now? She took Chung Si by the hand to make her her adopted daughter. She then stood her close up to Princess Orchid. The princess, greatly delighted, thanked her mother, saying, 
Your Highness's decision is the dearest in the world. You have brought all my fondest wishes to pass. How can I tell you of the joy that now fills my soul? The dowager gave Changsi a great and magnificent reception, and as they talked of the old poets, she said, I have heard from the princess that you are skillful with the pen and at poetic composition. It is all quiet here in the palace and with the delights of spring about us. Will you sing for me once? Do not be backward now, but cheer me, my child. Among the noted agents, there was one famous scholar who could write a verse before the quick of foot could go seven courses. Can you do that, my child? Zi made reply. Now that I have heard your gracious command, I must try with all the skill I have to please your majesty. The empress picked out from the palace maids those most nimble, made them stand in a row in front of the main hall, gave out the subject, and made ready a signal. But Princess Orchid called to her and said, Mother, you must not have Chung Si write all alone. I'll join her and try also. The dowager, pleased with this, gave permission. She said, Daughter, your wish is a proper one. She then thought of a subject. It was late spring. The peaches were in bloom outside the pavilion railing, and the happy jay birds were calling as they sat upon the branches. The dowager pointed to these and said, I have decided upon your marriage, and yonder jay upon the high treetops announces his delight. He is a lucky omen. Let us make this the subject, the peach flower and the happy jaybird. They were to write a verse before the seven courses could be run, and each verse was to contain some reference to their happy marriage. She told the maids-in-waiting to have everything in order, pen, ink, and so on, for the princess and Chung Si. At the given signal, the women in front of the main hall started on their way. But fearing that the two would not be able to finish while the seven courses were being run, they looked back at them and took their steps slowly. The two pens flew like swift wind or a sudden squall of rain. Off the lines were dashed, and they were done before the women had completed five of the courses. The dowager read what Chung Si had written, and it ran thus. The swift wind rocks the tipsy peach before the palace hall, while from the height, far out of reach, there sounds the mavis call. The dancers swing and silken fold awake the happy day, while in the group a magpie, bold, has found her wandering way. The princess's verses ran thus. In the court of the palace a hundred buds blow, as the jaybird sweeps in with his spirit aglow. He bends his strong back o'er the wide Milky Way to bear two small dots who are coming to stay. The dowager read these and sighed, saying, These two are the spirits of Yi Tai Bake and Cho Chagon. If we could mark women as literary graduates, we should rate them first and second in the contest of the year. So she exchanged the two compositions, giving one to each, and each admired and praised the other. The princess said to her majesty, I have managed to fill out my couplets, 
but the sentiment is one that might be easily expressed by anyone. Chung Si's, however, are beautifully done. I cannot attain to such excellence. That is so, said the Empress, but yours too, dear, is very well done, and everyone would admire it. 